Welcome to this week's edition of The Green on Delaware Public Media. I'm your host, Tom Byrne. Back in late December, DENREC released a report calling on the General Assembly to pass a law authorizing the state to procure offshore wind power. It marked a significant step forward in getting Delaware into the offshore wind game, but it is just the first step. Now the work needs to be done to craft legislation that will create the framework for the state's path forward. And this week, contributor John Hurl takes a closer look at what that legislation could look like and how the current offshore wind landscape could help shape it. It's all in his latest piece at DelawarePublic.org, and he joined me this week to outline what he learned. So, John, let's start with Denrec's offshore wind procurement report that was released in December. What were the key headlines coming out of that? Well, first of all, uh, it recommended that uh, Delaware lawmakers should should write legislation that authorizes Delaware to procure uh, power from the offshore wind industry, um, either as a standalone project or else uh, in cooperation with, uh, with other states. It also recommended that the uh, procurement program uh, should be developed in consultation with all Delaware utilities. It, it recommended also that economic and work, workforce development considerations should be included in this procurement but uh, without adding a, re- a requirement, any requirements that would uh, uh, drive up the cost. And it remains to be seen uh, how l- lawmakers seek to uh, thread that needle. Um, and finally, they also uh, recommended that, um, uh, that the procure, any uh, procurement law should, be, uh, should minimize the impact on ratepayers. So why is this report and this call to come up with a offshore wind procurement framework so significant? Well, it's significant, Tom, for a number of reasons. Uh, one is that this has been a long time coming. Uh, as people know, uh, Delaware has been weighing the whole issue of whether to get into, into the offshore wind market for at least a decade. Uh, it came fairly close back in 2011, but the, uh, the uh, developer in the frame at that point w- walked away because of uh, uh, the loss of federal tax credits. In 2017, uh, Governor Carney set up uh, an offshore wind working group, uh, and the following year, that group uh, recommended that, in fact, the time was not right for Delaware to uh, to enter the offshore wind uh, market. Uh, and now we're getting closer to that. So that's one reason it's been a long time coming. A second reason that, that, that this is significant is that um, state procurement commitments are essential to the development of offshore wind. And we've seen that up and down the Atlantic coast. Uh, these big projects, multi-billion projects that are uh, all are in the process, some of them actually under construction at the moment, uh, are dependent on each state committing to buying a certain quantity of offshore wind power. The developers are not going to go for it otherwise. And, and another reason it's significant is assuming that the uh, the legislature follows through on this and and the pro and the process is completed, then it will help Delaware reach its uh, its very ambitious climate goal of net zero carbon emissions by 2050. And many advocates say, uh, in fact, Denrec itself says uh, that there is uh, it uh, would be very difficult, if not impossible. For the state to reach that goal uh, without adopting offshore wind as a significant source of power. So a lot at stake here. 
Um, and while this report calls on lawmakers to pass legislation authorizing procurement, as you noted, the process is actually starting with DENREC. What is DENREC doing to get the ball rolling here? Well, DENREC is currently working on what they call model legislation. And that's expected to be sent to uh, legislative leaders in coming weeks uh, and, um, and then passed to the lawmaker, uh, to lawmakers themselves uh, who would um, craft their own bill or bills on the basis of what, uh, what DENREC is, uh, is proposing now. So what are some of the key issues that need to be sorted out as this leg- legislation is crafted? The essential task for the legislature here is to determine how much uh, offshore wind power the state would commit to buying. And uh, advocates have uh, recommended that the state uh, build a wind farm of uh, which would generate between 800 and 1,000 megawatts. And in in terms of, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, the way that uh, the public can understand that is that uh, uh, about 800 megawatts uh, would power, would uh, generate enough power for approximately 400,000 homes. So... What's the timetable for this work to get done? It's a long and, and pretty complicated process. I mean, first of all, uh, the legislature has to uh, decide what it wants uh, and to agree on a bill. Then uh, DENREC has to put together a so-called request for proposals, which is essentially saying to the, the uh, offshore wind industry, well, we agreed to buy X amount of offshore wind power. Um, and we would like you, the industry, to bid on whether you can meet that requirement. Assuming that bids come in, they would have to be reviewed. So this is all going to take uh, between eight, 18 and 24 months. Um, and I, uh, that's the estimate uh, that I got from Chris Olith, who is the uh, director of the University of Delaware's Special Initiative on Offshore Wind. And, and her expectation is that um, there wouldn't be uh, steel in the water, as it were, i.e. an operational wind farm, until 2030 or 2031. So there's, there's quite a bit of time uh, for, for this all to play out. And I guess given some of the recent news we've seen about offshore wind projects being scrapped or getting pulled back for review, uh, that kind of runway uh, could, be, could be useful to Delaware. I mean, will, will that, you know, inform Delaware's approach to procurement and and how it ultimately winds up getting this done? Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, the folks that I've spoken to uh, uh, think that uh, despite all of the uh, the upheaval, and I I think that's not a that's not an unfair description, the upheaval in the in the offshore wind industry at the moment, uh, this this act should actually play to Delaware's advantage because it will allow the state to learn from uh, from the mistakes of of other uh, for, for, well um, what turn out to be the the difficulties of of the, of the other states and essentially what um, um, uh, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and New Jersey have all experienced over the last year is uh, developers either pulling out altogether or else requesting the renegotiation of their contracts because they're they're facing much higher costs uh, than they anticipated when they signed the contracts. And the reason for that uh, ranges from uh, higher interest rates, so higher cost of capital uh, and higher materials costs and supply chain chain problems. And so the hope and and the expectation is that Delaware uh, should be able to learn 
from those problems in in crafting its own bid for a an offshore wind farm. You mentioned earlier that the, the Human Report talked about perhaps working with other states, and we've, I guess, seen that in some other places. Is there a chance that Delaware may do that? They may team up with Maryland or New Jersey uh, to, to make this a better process. That, that is expected to be uh, at least a possibility, yes. Um, and um, whether the state decides to uh, to go it alone, or whether the, or whether the state decides that it makes more sense to uh, to join in with an existing wind farm project, uh, possibly with Maryland or New Jersey, I don't know. Um, you know that that's all to be determined. So, with all that in mind, uh, are we hearing anything initially from lawmakers as this process begins? What their thoughts are? Uh, well, of course, lawmakers, they haven't even seen DENREC's uh, model le- legislation yet, so it's possibly a little early. Um, but I did get a statement from uh, Senator Stephanie Hansen, uh, who is the head of the Senate, Senate's Environment Committee. And she said that she wants to see the state committing to buying offshore wind power. But she also uh, is looking for uh, a, a significant amount of flexibility being built into that bill. So so that Delaware is equipped to respond to changes in the industry um, that have been obviously that, you know, they've been seen by the um, uh, by the rest of the many of the other states. So there's also, of course, the, the cost of all this to state residents via their electric bills. And this is something you looked at in, in your story. Uh, and you mentioned that the Public Service Commission, the Public Advocates Office have taken an interest in this piece of it. What are they saying about how this could impact the everyday resident of Delaware? Well, uh, of course, you know, the devil is in the details. We, there's, a, there's an awful lot we don't know yet uh, and, and won't know until uh, this uh, bill is done. And by the way, it's expected, it is expected to be, uh, a bill is expected to be passed during the current session is, is what I'm hearing. Uh, but in terms of um, uh, what I'm hearing from the uh, the public advocate, uh, Ruth Ann Price, and she, she said that she would fight any what she called egregious uh, increases in domestic electricity rates, uh, which might occur as a result of offshore wind becoming part of Delaware's energy mix. Um, um, but she did seem to suggest that uh, she she thought that probably some increase in uh, domestic rates probably you know are likely simply because of the the very high cost of uh, of um, putting one of these um, farms together. Um, and in terms of the Public Service Commission, I heard from um, Executive Director Hartigan, and he said that um, he is his main concern is that all Delaware utilities are involved in this uh, this project if the the electricity generated is going to be statewide. So, John, is it fair to say this is really a wait and see process? That there's so many moving parts as we've discussed that it's really difficult to predict where it's going to ultimately end up, at least at this juncture. Well, I mean, I'm not so sure that it's a wait and see. I mean, everybody would would admit that you know the devil is is in the details, but there does seem to be a a general enthusiasm for the idea of offshore wind. Again, uh, lots of details have to be uh, worked out. But we've, uh, but you know, I mean, if you look at the uh, the moving parts that we have at the moment, uh, I mean, Denrec is obviously engaged. They've produced the recommendation. They're working on the model on the model legislation. Um, look, the, uh, the folks that I'm talking to the, uh, in the legislature seem to be uh, seem to be very much on board with this and and um, 
uh, Senator Hansen, uh, for one, is is obviously uh, and she she's expected to lead this whole process through the legislature, and uh, and she's obviously on board with this. Um, and then I guess it's also worth bearing in mind that there is a national goal as well. I mean, President Biden uh, wants um, uh, it, he has set a goal of 30 gigawatts of um, of offshore wind to be added to or to be uh, generated uh, nationally by 2030. Now, I mean, I think a lot of people are saying that this is especially given the the shakeout, the problems that we've been seeing uh, on the in the North Atlantic over the last year, that that 30 gig goal is probably not achievable now. But, uh, you know, that uh, it's a worthy conte- uh, context and it's something for the country as a whole to uh, uh, to get behind, so so that may be um, helping to sort of you know at the at the margins perhaps uh, push things along in Delaware. Thanks to contributor John Hurdle for his time this week. John's piece on Delaware's path forward on offshore wind procurement is available at DelawarePublic.org. And stay with us. We meet a pair of UD researchers who are developing new standards that could play a role in shaping the EV industry in the years ahead. That's next on the Green here on Delaware Public Media.